at the end of Jesus' ministry and his disciples were gathered around him and they, and they started asking him some questions about politics and they were saying, you know, Jesus, when are you going to, uh, you know, uh, restore the kingdom to Israel? When are we going to, when will you overthrow this Roman oppression? The, the nation of Israel was under, under the, uh, the, the governance and, and oppression of the Romans and, and so, and they were saying, you know, Jesus, you haven't, you haven't recruited an army yet. You haven't set up an administration. And they hadn't, he hadn't even really begun a, a ministry, as some would say today. And, and so, what's happening, Jesus? And he said these words in Acts chapter 1, verse 7 and 8. We'll put it up on the screen. It just says, you know, that you, don't, you don't get to know what the times and the seasons are. Timing is the Father's business. What you'll get is the Holy Spirit. And when the Holy Spirit comes on you, you will be able to be my witnesses in Jerusalem and Judea, all over Judea and Samaria, even to the ends of the world. You'll be able to be my witnesses everywhere, Jesus said. You'll have the power, some other translations say, the dynamic power of God will come upon you so that you can be a witness for me. And so I'll have a question this morning about this because this is an amazing verse of Scripture. It basically says when people really get a hold of God, they're going to be able to go everywhere and tell everyone about Jesus and something amazing is going to happen. And so my question this morning is how are we going with that? I mean, how come we haven't sort of achieved that yet? How, how come we haven't reached the world yet? What's kind of happening with us? Now, I, I know and you know that, that God himself is not limited. You know, the Holy Spirit is not getting tired and sort of worn out by this. He's not distracted and he's not losing interest in anything. You know, his God is right there ready to move through us. And we've got every resource that we really need. What's holding us back? What's constraining us from really reaching and winning our generation, even our city, for God? So let's, I want to read you another verse from John chapter 14, which is actually relevant to this. Because I want this morning to talk about some of the things that constrain us and hold us back from reaching our world. So let's read. Peace, Jesus says to his disciples, peace I'm leaving with you. My peace I give to you. Not the world's kind of peace. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid, Jesus said to his disciples. Disciples. So that word peace is very, very significant. It's the New Testament equivalent of, you know, some of you have heard that word shalom, which is a Hebrew word from the Old Testament. This is the New Testament word, which means basically the same thing. It means wholeness, completeness, healing, you know, restoration, prosperity, uh, completeness. Really what it means, it it's, uh, literally means to join or bind together. Things was, were previously separated. And so what I wanted to do with this morning is put a, put a proposition to you that when Jesus said, my peace I'm leaving with you, what he was really saying was, um, I, I'm going to help you bring all the parts of your life together so that things are going to start working out for you again. God's plan for you is the bringing together of all the broken parts of your life so you can have a rewarding and fulfilling life, which would be wonderful. But it's not only that. It's also something else. And that, that's this. So that the world will be able to see the reality of God. I really believe that God wants to, to bring restoration and healing in our lives, not just so that we can enjoy our life, 
have a comfortable life and a blessed life, but so that the world will know that Jesus is alive, so that Toowoomba will know, and the Darling Downs will know, and Queensland will know, and Australia will know Jesus is alive, and overseas countries as well. I think that's what God is doing. So when the world looks at us, they're looking for signs. They're looking for an indication that God is real, that the message that we say we believe in is actually working for us, is working for you. You know what I'm saying, don't you? They're looking for signs of reality, the reality of God in our life. So today I want to share with you some of the things I believe God wants to do in us that will help us reach our world, reach out to our city and those beyond that. Here's some things that contain us and hold us back. And Jesus is referring to it in this passage. He said, you know, don't let your heart be troubled. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. Troubled and afraid. Jesus put his finger right there on the things that affect many of us. Worry and fear are things that hold us back a lot from sharing with our world and making a difference in our world. Worry and fear. Someone said worry is a deep-seated belief in worst-case scenarios. It's, it's, someone said it's, it's like an act of faith, you know. It's an act of faith. It's believing that something bad is going to happen for you. When actual fact, that's not necessarily true. It's not necessarily grounded in reality, but it affects our reality dramatically. Worry and fear. And we can be so caught up in worry, you know, that it, that it affects our, our life and it affects when people see us, whether the message is actually working for us. The Apostle Paul said, uh, be anxious for nothing. Be anxious for nothing. It's really interesting because when you think about that statement, it's usually nothing that makes us anxious. You know, we often, we worry about things that really, uh, you know, don't, don't really have any impact really we worry about the things that really are just nothing, or at least it's nothing that we can control. So I want to move on because really I want to talk about worry, fear, depression, and anxiety. They're all, they're all like cousins that all work together. And uh, depression and anxiety that often go together. We hear a lot about it, don't we, in, um, in the media. And uh, today it's, it's such a, a common thing. Now the... the, um, the pharmaceutical industry makes billions, billions of dollars out of depression and anxiety. And it's growing dramatically around the world today. Two things that can rob you of your peace and your effectiveness in telling others about Jesus. Depression is how our soul processes regret. That means it's, we're responding to the past we're responding to the past. Anxiety is how our soul processes fear. It's responding to the future. It's thinking about what the future will be like and what's bad coming down the track for us in the future. So here's the thing. Depression and anxiety work together, convince you that your past is your future, and so the future must be avoided at all costs. That's what happens when we allow those evil things to take root in our life and take control in our life. And I believe this morning, friends, what I want to share with you today is I, I, want, I want you to be set free of those things. And I believe Jesus came to set us free from worry, fear, depression, and anxiety. 
I really believe that. And I love that song that we sang before. Matthew also didn't know that I was going to preach on this today. But, um, but uh, you know, for every soul, every person held captivated by depression and anxiety, we're going to speak the name of Jesus over those things and see that person find absolute freedom in their life. This is the devil's playground, and he loves to pull those strings of depression and anxiety that contain you and keep you from being the person God wants you to be. The second thing that happens in our life, I think, is, is like voices from the past. Now, it might also be from the present, but what are the voices that are speaking into your life right now that maybe are telling you that you're unworthy, or maybe that you're not capable, or you're useless, or you're incompetent, or you're a failure, or unclean, or unloved, or unlovable. Those kind of voices that maybe we grew up with and maybe still having an effect and influence in our life today. These are all things that are lies that the enemy sows in our mind, often in childhood. But, you know, Jesus came to set us free from those lies. Jesus came to bring a, a new voice into your life, the voice of God, the voice that God wants to speak over you today. I was uh, reading someone, someone I know actually was just sharing about um, that a guy had, had a fear of roller coasters. And, and as a 10-year-old child, he was, he was riding a roller coaster and the seatbelt broke while he's riding this thing. And he was terrified and he's just yelling at the top of his lungs trying to get the attention of the, the operator down there. But the guy, he couldn't, he couldn't get his attention. And so he just hung on for dear life and he got through it and s- survived. But, but, um, uh, but from that time on, he had this enduring fear of roller, roller coasters. And he spent basically his whole life watching other people ride roller coasters. And that's what happens with fear. It sidelines us and puts us on the, on the margins of life so that we can't be the person God wants us to be. A third thing that happens sometimes in our life is trauma, you know. Uh, maybe, maybe there's been a trauma in your life. The devil is an opportunist, you know, and he waits for an opportune time, an opportune moment. And if someone is going to break into your house, you know, they're not going to come in the middle of the day. They're going to come usually in the middle of the night when you're most vulnerable, when you're least able to resist or to, to do anything about it. That's what the devil does. And this morning, uh, I want to I believe that God is wanting to, to close some doors on some things of the past uh, that have bound people and set them free and released them in the name of Jesus. I want to just share, um, this, the second part of this message is about how are we going to get free of these things? What does God want to do? And I just believe that um, God wants you to be free in your life this morning. I want to share with you for a few moments about David and Goliath because uh, I felt the Holy Spirit just put this in my heart a couple of weeks ago as I was thinking about this. Um, and this is going to be a bit of a, uh, a Marvel superheroes moment here right now. Some of you might like it more than others. I don't know, but uh, maybe someone watching online <laughs> might like it a bit more. But um, I'm going to talk about David and Goliath for a few moments. And we're going to read from 1 Samuel chapter 17, verse 41. You know the story of David and Goliath, how you know this young guy could have been as young as 15 years of age. We don't know exactly, 15 to 17 years old. And Goliath was a giant uh, from, the, from the Philistine uh, civilization or race that was uh, coming and taunting Israel. And they, 
two armies were on opposite sides of this valley and uh, the Philistine giant was saying, you know, send someone out that can fight me. And if I, if I overcome him, then you're going to be our servants. If he overcomes me, we'll be your servants. But he was like nine feet tall. And he had this, you know, huge armor with an armor bearer out in front of him. And uh, I was thinking this morning, the armor bearer is a bit like a golf caddy, you know, carrying all of his stuff. And he's, you know, he uh, says, well, you know, sword, you know, spear, whatever, whatever he wants next. Nine iron, you know. So... To, to defeat the other opponent. So 1 Samuel chapter 17, Goliath walked out toward David with his shield bearer ahead of him, sneering in contempt at this ruddy-faced boy. Am I a dog, he roared at David, that you come at me with a stick? Because David had nothing. He just had a few stones and a sling and a, you know, and a shepherd's crook. And he cursed David by the name of his gods. Come over here. And I'll give your flesh to the birds and wild animals, Goliath yelled. If you've got the message translation, this is, this is really amazing in the message. <laughs> it says, I'm going to make you roadkill for the buzzards. And, you know, so. and the next verse, the next part says, before we go on to it, you know what this is? This is a classic example of the intimidation that the devil brings against us. When Goliath is roaring at David, trying to intimidate and wear down and tear down and break down what's in his heart, that's an example of how the devil comes against us. And I really feel that this story is so relevant for today. There's a lot about this that's relevant to the battles that you and I face in our life, the challenges that we have in our mind, in our heart, and the devil's trying to tear down and wear down us so that we won't ever be effective in our Christian life. So David replied to the Philistine, You come to me with sword, spear, and javelin, but I come to you in the name of the Lord of heaven's armies, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied. Today the Lord will conquer you, and I will kill you and cut off your head. Like this might get a little bit gruesome as we go through this this morning, but that's okay. I'm sure you'll be able to, to handle it. So the next one, as David so and then I'll give you, give the dead bodies of your men to the birds and the wild animals, and the whole world will know that there is a God in Israel, and everyone assembled here will know that the Lord rescues His people, but not with sword and spear. This is the Lord's battle, and He will give you to us. You know one of the amazing things about that is that dealing with the intimidating voices of the enemy is essential if we are going to be effective in reaching our community. Now, I just, I just hope that might be the key point of my message this morning, that we need to deal with the intimidating voice of the devil that comes against us if we are going to be effective in reaching our world. So whatever those negative voices are that come against you, whatever those threats are in your mind, whatever those insinuations from the past or those temptations of the enemy in your voice. We've got to be able to overcome those things, like David said. And guess what? It says, and the whole world will know that there is a God in Israel. So David was saying, when I overcome you, everyone's going to know about it. The whole world will know that there's a God in Israel. And we could say the whole world will know that Jesus is alive. So Goliath moved in closer to David, and David quickly ran out to meet him. 
reaching into his shepherd's bag and taken out a stone. He hurled it with his sling and hit the Philistine in the forehead. It was like a guided missile stone, you know, right at that tiny little gap between where his helmet, uh, there was a gap there. A guided missile destroyer. And it says that the stone sank in and Goliath stumbled and fell face down on the ground. And I love this little next bit. It says, David triumphed over the Philistine with only a sling and a stone, for he had no sword. Then David ran over and pulled Goliath's sword from its sheath, and he used it to kill him and cut off his head. Now, I mean, that that could have been a clean cut, or it might have been a bit, you know, I I don't think you want me to describe it, but... um, there would have been some blood. I mean, I mean, it, it wouldn't have been. It wouldn't have been nice. This was definitely not nice. And I, I you know, I, I, the only thing I can say to you about this is we have to get used to it. We have to get over it in a sense because um, some things in life aren't nice. What the devil is trying to do to you is not nice. And if I'm going to be so um, sophisticated and insulated from realities of life that I don't want to face up to it. I'm not going to be able to deal effectively with the enemy. But that's what David did. He killed him and cut off his head. Now let's think about that for a moment. Um, We're not going to think about it for too long. King Saul, I can imagine King Saul in his tent. He's he's sitting back there. He's watching this whole thing happen. Those of you that know the story, he's the king of Israel. And he's watching all this happen. And he's, he's yelling out to David, Hey, David. I didn't ask you to cut off his head. Just kill him. That's enough. Just kill him. And David is yelling back to Saul, Hey, listen, I'm going to make sure that this Goliath, this giant, never ever comes back again to trouble the people of Israel. I'm making sure this, he's never ever coming back again. And I think God wants us to deal with the enemy like that too, to be decisive, to be determined, to make sure he doesn't come back. Why did Goliath, David, have to cut off Goliath's head? Why did he? Could have just killed him. Why did he? I think it speaks of authority. You know, the head, it speaks of authority. And Goliath was planning to exercise authority over the whole of the nation of Israel. And that's what the devil wants to do in your life. He wants to not only intimidate and humiliate and wear you down, he wants to control you. He wants you to be his servant, his pawn. And so David cut off his head to show us that we have the authority in Jesus to destroy the devil's work, the devil's power, and to cut off his influence in our lives. So I ask you this today, you know, have, have you maybe given something authority over your life that you shouldn't have? Given something authority that you need to cut off today and say, that's it, no more. No more of that in my life. The second thing about David overcoming Goliath is how, how did he do it? How did he do it? Um, you know, I can imagine Goliath. He's, he's there standing there and he's, he's watching this young, you know, red-faced boy. In the, in the message, it says, it says um, uh, red, red-cheeked and peach-fuzzed. It says, <laughs> He's a, he's, a, he's a kid, you know, just growing up. It says, and, and he's coming at him and he says, and Goliath is saying, hey, listen, I've got, I've got a spear, I've got a sword, I've got a shield, I've got this javelin, I've got everything I need. 
I've got these weapons of war, and you're coming at me with a name? A, a what? You come, David said, I come against you in the name. You're coming against me with a name? What is this? He had no idea. Goliath had no idea that he was seconds away from taking his last breath, moments away from being destroyed. Friends, that's the name of Jesus, the name that we have authority with, that he's given us his name to use. You know, King Saul, I think King Saul was equally perplexed about this and equally oblivious to what was happening because when it was all over, when this was all over, Saul got, got David there and he said, David, tell me about your father. Who, who, who are you? Tell me about your father. Because I think, you know, King Saul might have thought that somehow David was acting in his father's authority. You know, it was nothing. David never overcame Goliath in the authority of his father's name. He overcame Goliath in the name of the Lord God, the God of the armies of Israel. And that's so important. Saul missed the point of possibly Israel's greatest ever military victory and greatest watershed moment in their history because he didn't understand about the name and, and he never had a relationship with the living God. But you can. You can have a relationship with Jesus today. The Lord of heaven's armies, the God of the armies of Israel. That's a powerful name, but we've got one even more powerful, that is the name of Jesus. I love what Jesus said in John chapter 14, verse 13. And I'll ask our creative team to come back uh, if they can. It says, you can ask, Jesus said to his closest followers, you can ask for anything, anything in my name, and I will do it so that the Son can bring glory to the Father. So friends, we've got authority to overcome and defeat the enemy's works in our life. And uh, so whatever might be troubling you right now, whatever might be making you afraid, whatever might be bringing depression in your life or maybe anxiety, you know, those things can be overcome. Whatever voices from your past might be speaking into your life right now, those things can be overcome in the name of Jesus right now. Whatever trauma might have, uh, you know, happened in your life as a, as a, as a child or even more recently, you know, those things that the enemies use that as a doorway to come into your life. Those things can be overcome in your life right now. Can we?